following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Josh, please, please save us. Get us back on the rails. Are you saying Samuel was a ghostwriter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, Jill, do you want to get into that? I could. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I could, but I won't. The transitions are so yeah. good in this episode. Yeah. Hey, uh, we could talk about this thing, but we're just not going to. <laughs> All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to Second Rate Saints. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. Uh, Josh is trying to interrupt me here, but that's okay. Um, to my left is... I'm Joshua, and I present that. I was not trying to interrupt. I was laughing. <laughs> to my left is... I'm Joel. Sweet. Josh and I are off to a, off to a good start. We're going to be competing for uh, mic time this whole episode. No, um, it's almost everyone's here. We're just missing Stuart. One day. Big sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joel. Yeah. Do we do things on the internet? Yeah, we've been consistently consistently uploading. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us at secondratesaints at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow us on our Twitter and our Instagram. Um, we're hoping to have some cool announcements out decently soon. Um, if you'd like to donate to the um expansion of Second Rate Saints, we do have a buy me a coffee slash or what is it? The link is buymeacoffee.com slash second rate saints. And there'll be um, a link on the website. Yep. Yeah, there'll be a, a link on the website as well. Um, and if you'd like to, you know, donate to um, what we're doing here as uh, whatever it is we're doing here, uh, we really appreciate that. And that's, that's, that doesn't sound enthusiastic, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, unfortunately. <laughs> is that the worst plug ever, Colton? Is that what you're looking at me like that? No, no, I'm looking okay. at Josh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Josh forgot how headphones work, but it's okay. He looks cool. Mm-hmm. That's a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, normally, this is a segment where we do, what have you read? But instead, we're going to talk about Blade Runner. No. <laughs> where did that? No, we are not. We talked about Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. That's um, the same thing. Then I watched the movie. You've seen it since? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we watched it last week. Oh. No, we watched it this week. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's breaking Joel's brain. He's lost track of time. Um, that's part of the problem. <laughs> Brutally honest. I have like, I'm halfway through eight books and, uh, I don't have anything to share for this week. <laughs> it's bad. I need to actually finish the books that I've started. Um, and everybody else is in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all faltering either finishing a book or we're going through longer <clears throat> books. And so uh, it's harder to talk about. I simply just don't have time to read. I'm in my master's program, learning two languages at the same time and working more hours than normal because it's the season when I work more. Excuses. Which is why we're talking about The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. (laughs) We've already talked about that. Oh, yeah. Have we actually? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think we did. I don't think we did. I haven't talked about it enough. What a great book. Anyways, uh, we're not going to cover what have you read this week, Um, but we would love to know what you guys are reading. So if you have any books that you would suggest we read, mm-hmm. but also that you would just like to tell somebody about, reach out to the podcast. It might make its way into a Thoughts in Real Time episode, or it might make its way into a Thoughts in Real Time. There, or there, a, uh, sorry, a book review. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. man. There are two books that we have been recommended that I have read. Um, 
from oh, yeah. uh, from listeners. Uh, one of which being the uh, Anarchy book. I can't remember exactly. Christianity and Anarchy, Christianity which we did Anarchy. review. Yes. Yeah. Probably what, like episode 30 that was around a, there? So what was the other book? I can't remember. I'm sorry. It was so long ago. But Yeah, it was early on. We ended up getting a couple of book recommendations. Yeah. Um, if, if, you, if you recommend the book, I will try to read it. Mm-hmm. That's a if promise it sounds interesting. Yep. Colton is promising that. I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> or, or if one of us has read the book that you've recommended already, mm-hmm. then we we'll could do a review it. of it, yeah. even if we haven't read it in many years. Here's the thing. Um, we like talking I would about love books. to read uh, recommendations, book recommendations, um, but I'm not going to open myself up to anything willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Christianity and Anarchy is a fascinating read. Also not great, in my opinion. But instead means we can just hop right into our topic. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. We're yeah. continuing our Samuel episode. Yeah. Series. So, Josh. Yes. Do you want to, before you get into the text itself. Yeah. Do you mind doing a previously on Samuel? Yes. Previously on Samuel, we talked about the death of Samuel, sadly, in chapter 25. Um, so it's prophecy from here on out. N- <laughs> Why did we have to jump into that immediately? <laughs> so the author of First and Second Samuel is probably not Samuel for the audience at least member. At this point, definitely not. <laughs> Unless it, at Endor, he just kind of stuck. That's that's we're not talking about that yet. Endor? After, yeah, after Endor. Endor. Are you saying Samuel was a ghostwriter? At <laughs> <laughs> first, I thought you said Ghost Rider, like the Nick Cage movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Here's my idea, and I'll tell you guys about this more after. <laughs> I got a great idea, guys. Every time you guys have said, "Let's," get, this is already getting off the rails. But every time you've said previously on Samuel, my thought is, I want to cast First Samuel as an Amazon original <laughs> as the finale to the series. Okay. What? But I'll talk more about that later. Previously on Samuel. Yeah. Samuel. Nicholas Josh, Cage please, plays a big please part. save us. Get us back on the rails. Okay. Previously on Samuel, David and Abigail is the title of the story. Uh, what we talked about was David leaves Paran and goes to a man's house named Nabal and his wife Abigail. David goes during a festival to go get food from and like supplies from a man who his men have helped protect his sheep mm-hmm. and every, all the shepherds who come back with the sheep, depending on if they've gained more sheep or if they've lost sheep, the owner of the land will provide benefits for them. It'd be like, Hey, you did a great job. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Um, and David goes to the man and he says, Hey, I've protected your sheep from yep. animals now the things, and David knows as a shepherd himself back in the day that, hey, this is uh, Nabal is a supporter of Saul because that area where they lived was rescued by Saul early on in Saul's career as king. Um, and so Nabal says, who's this David that I should care about him? And kind of mocks David and rejects him and sends him to leave. And David goes, how dare you disrespect my men and me and not give us what we are due, right? We've spent time and hours and put ourselves in danger to protect your sheep. Um, So he goes out to kill the man and everything basically that this man owns. And Abigail hears about this, the wife of Nabal, and intercedes on on her servants and everyone else's behalf by giving David the stuff. Yeah, well, he's... 
and he goes to like slaughter him oh yeah it's bad yeah mm-hmm. like he's got wrath up to his blinding his eyes yeah and so she's like hey don't do this this isn't you don't want to do this this would be bad here's the stuff please protect our people very it's a very similar pattern to rahab and other people that have like gotten in the way of intercession um and he goes thank you so much for stopping me this was off like what i'm about to do was not good uh you saved me from acting on my own will rather than god's mm-hmm. uh thank you um and so he's she says hey may all your enemies suffer the fate that nabal would have may they be cursed and blah 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 that kind of event and nabal goes back she goes back nabal's drunk she then tells her husband a few days later when he's not drunk what what happened and he his heart is strick his heart is strucken and he lives with this guilt for 10 days and then dies mm-hmm. the lord strikes him um and then david marries abigail yep. for various political and reasons and now she's up without a husband and david is available because michael his wife through saul got married off to another guy um so he takes on abigail for many reasons mm-hmm. but marries her and that leaves us where we are in chapter 26 mm-hmm. we'll be going through chapter 26 and 27 and a little bit of 28 because 28 ends begins with the ending of chapter 27 yeah a lot of commentators lump the first two verses in with the previous yeah. chapter yeah, it, it seems the, the best way to do it it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah um yeah do a quick study on like as a like the listener do a quick study on where the verse system comes from and like the chapter system that's very interesting study well it'll help your your understanding of the bible is the english bible yeah like well you can get some translations that are like the reader's bible where it just takes all the verse partitions out of it yeah which is a good call i have i have a copy of that it's it's helped me for about a month and then mm. it's good if you're wanting to read it it's bad if you're trying to find verses and stuff <laughs> yes well, mainly because you know you can't find them. yeah, because <laughs> yeah. They don't exist. and that's and that's part of the point is you'll find out that like the verses were a memorization system from certain priests um at certain times and so they introduced them for their own benefit and then it became a standard thing right they're not original to the text right. um you're telling me that as they scribe these things that you just put one <laughs> two <laughs> so josh why are we talking about these two in the small bit of chapters together um, because they fit together in chapter 26 talks about David being f- like fleeing from Saul again yep. after though Saul promised not to chase after him uh, and then where David goes and this leads David onto a whole nother arc before he was being chased in Israel now he's being now he's living outside of Israel yep. this is starting that second and he once again reconciles with with Saul and then <laughs> unreconciles with him the next chapter yes so this is where we are. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself in the hills of Hekelah, which is on the east of Jeshimon? So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Hekelah, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay with Abner, the son of Ner, 
the commander of his army, Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Abner, son of Ner, still throws me off all the time. <laughs> I, I know Josh finds it funny. Son of Ner. <laughs> no, it's it's funny because the guy's name, Abner, means my father is Ner. My father yeah. is Ner, yeah. <laughs> my father is Ner, the son of Ner. <laughs> uh, redundant and repetitive. It would, what is it? It would be the equivalent of Benjamin, Benjamin, the son of Yamin. Or like mm. Thompson. Yeah, Thompson, the son of Tom. That's an English equivalent for you. Yeah. Or like yeah. Nick Nixon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, anyway, you know who you are. Um, <clears throat> this sounds awfully familiar, Josh. Yeah, it seems like this sounds a little bit like chapter 24. Yeah, did, Kill, do you want to get into that? I could. <laughs> yeah, sure. I could, but I won't. The transitions are so yeah. good in this episode. Yeah. Hey, we um, could talk about this thing, but we're just not going we to talk about so talking the, about it. So it's, as will be revealed in the mm-hmm. short minutes of this episode of forthcoming, um, this sounds very reminiscent of chapter 24, which is where David, yet a, previously, um, <laughs> spares Saul's life. That time mm-hmm. was in the cave. This time it's going to be. off his cloak. Yeah. Yeah. This time it's going to be he's going to steal some of his spear and jar. Um, yep. As one does. Yeah. Well, because in chapter 24, he says, I will not cut him again. Or is that chapter 25? Either one. 24. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the weird things, well, any, any level of source criticism, people are going to say, this is like the same. Like, you know, it must be the exact same story. Right. right. Um, just recorded differently. That could potentially be, I suppose. It depends your thought on on editing and whatnot. I know Joel knows more about the historical critical method and stuff about... Well, don't look at me like that. You spent more time (laughs) in Samuel than me, that's for sure. Yeah, that's... Okay. Um, And about the compiling work of of First and Second Samuel. I, from a theological reading of Scripture, which is how Scripture should predominantly be read... Full claim. See, you don't think that. The, I mean, I think you don't think theology is the main the main point of most of the Bible. Okay, that's yeah, that's Science a fair textbook. point. Um, what are you okay. talking about? Or like, First Samuel's clearly about a man named. We're Samuel. not going to talk about hermeneutics right now, right? No. Although I mean, when did. we talk about Samuel, the historical cr- critical method is like up there with the theological messaging, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's for most uh, of them. All, all that I, yeah. Well, because, uh, like, even uh, when you look at uh, Chronicles, um, it just traces back lineage to Adam. Well, right? So, like, sure, that's a theological purpose, but there's also, like, historical critical is valid because they are considering history. My, my point is that yeah. the historical critical method will debate on whether or not chapter 26 and 24 are just the same story in different traditions mm. written in different ways, and yet a theological reading of First Samuel, right? Mm-hmm. Who's more concerned about what is the final editor trying to convey in, the, in compiling, whether or not that they are different renditions of the same story or different stories, because that could potentially be true, you know? Um, just for the listener, what? we need yeah. to define terms. What is source critical versus theological viewing of scripture? So what I think, Caleb, and I'll, I'll try and define your term. Okay. Is that cool? 
the primary hermeneutic um, is that we should be looking at what Scripture is saying about God in this passage and how God interacts with his people. Um, where I'm saying historical critical would be there are a there's there's a laying out of events um, that talk about the history of Israel. Um, it's a it's a whole thing, but uh, in the interest of not getting narrowed down there, yeah. And I'd love to do um, an episode on hermeneutics. I know I think we've done one already. Yeah, I, we did it. Didn't ever get release it? No, no. Okay, we didn't good. release it. Yeah, yeah. Because after we did that episode, we did more research on it. Oh, um, you and I did a master's course. Yeah, in yeah I didn't know if I wanted yeah. to. No, I don't. I don't mean need. I don't mean like how do we? What do we mean by it? Just like in theology, what does source critical mean? So, do you mind if I try? I mean, yeah, sure. It's not documentary hypothesis, but it's close. Source critical would be that the wherever you have a written document it's not just doesn't happen just in yeah, biblical you do this literature with any old text any old text is this like you take an old text are certain portions of it what are they referencing where do they come from do different portions of that written text text come from different places are they referencing different script different other different texts yeah. and if they do what is the context of those references mm. and how how is the author or editor compiling this document? Yep. How does that, how does the meaning change? And how do those, like, it gets very intertextual, meaning like multi-layered yeah. textual reference. Has it gets it very complicated, very fast. Biblical lasagna. That's a great image. I think so. <laughs> it is biblical Where lasagna. theological reading is, I would say, would be more akin to a canonical approach, mm. right? Which is more like, what, cool those stories may have different origins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you do see this in the compilation of both uh, First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, and Chronicles, where they reference, you know, is not the works of such and such a king written down in such and such a book? Yeah, like, we don't have that book anymore. Yeah, yeah. the Book of right? the Kings and stuff. The books yeah. of the Kings <clears throat> the of, of Israel kings. and the yeah. books of the Kings of Judah. Yeah. Um, it's more than likely that they have referenced those, but a theological reading would be cool, Awesome, but what is the author trying to get through in this? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Could he be through theological, thematic purposes? Usually, right? Sure. Yeah. Or thematic reading. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't it's know. So exegetical. But. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down into those specific camps. Okay. Just, just merely the final form of the text. And so mm-hmm. this is a giant, you know, way off to come back around at. Chapter 26 and chapter 24 do have very, very similar events. Mm. Yeah. And yet the final editor puts them in the same text, I would argue, to communicate some kind of point. It's not like the editor was just like, well, there's whatever, just yeah. slap them together. Yeah. Texts are very complicated documents that are yeah. meticulously copied and thought over. I don't think they're just slapped together. And so even if... This, the historical critic, like the, the source criticism model, quote unquote, proves they're the same story. Not that you can. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change that the theological reading would go. No, we should read them in their own, con- in, like in their own presentation as separate mm. to get what the original right. editor is trying to get across. The different points between them kind of thing. Yeah. Or similar. I'm sorry. I've talked enough. No, uh, no, no, no. That so- was good. The, just the audience has no idea what that is. When we start talking about 
historical critical method versus a theological versus documentary hypothesis, all these yeah. terms, they don't know what we're talking about. And if you want an accessible book that we've covered already, <clears throat> um, Understanding Biblical Theology has some <clears throat> really good breakdowns of those different topics. It's a beautiful um, book. It's, yeah, it's a good book, but it's also very approachable. Like you can read the first two chapters and that will give you the basis for understanding this conversation we just had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was not there <clears throat> for the reading of chapter 24 uh, when we did it for the podcast episode. Um, what do you think are the main differences between the two stories? Besides like in the point, chapter 24, he cuts the cloak, whereas in this one, he takes the spear and stuff like that. Well, we're not there yet. Okay. Yeah, oh, we should move through with the narrative a little bit, but I do think that's going to be an interesting aspect yeah, to absolutely. see what the differences are. Well, yeah, and it, it seems like with this one, because the, the areas are not exactly the same. There's some overlap, but yeah, they're not the same. Yeah. And as, then... As far as we're aware. Yeah, because in the first verses that we've read so far, it's the Ziphites talk from Gibeah, the Ziphites talked to Saul and Gibeah, whereas the other one, it was chapter 24, it's David is in in and Gedi. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the region's referenced of where David is. Yeah. <clears throat> According to my reading, at least, um, in the word biblical commentary, it's like, yeah, there's some overlap in those areas. Like they are, well, mm-hmm. they're referencing different things. The, the very words they use are different things. Um, but... They're the same general-ish kind of re- region. Yeah. There's some overlap, but they're not explicitly the same place. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense because like, the land of Israel at this point is like 80 kilometers long and like 20 to 25 kilometers wide. It's not a large area. Mm-hmm. So like, you're, you're dealing with a... <laughs> like, it would be like the neighboring... It'd be like the difference between the wilderness outside the city uh, to the east and then the wilderness on the other side of the city to the west. Mm-hmm. It'd be like they're, they're around the same place. Yeah. 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 So Saul goes out to go get him. David has spies that are watching. This is very like Robin Hood, like in the <laughs> yeah, forest. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And he has like men in the trees watching to see if the king's men are coming, you know, stealing from the rich, giving to the pork. So he's not doing that. He's just on the run. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's continue. Then David said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Job's brother, Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, who will go down with me into the camp of Saul. And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there Saul sleeping, there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him for his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now the spear that is in his head and the jar of water and let it us go. So David took the spear of the jar, the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head, and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, 
nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. So I love that God is kind of like helping him out. Mm -hmm. That God is using the miracle of chloroform on Saul. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The miracle of bedtime. The spiritual gift of malatonin. Yeah. (laughs) Holy NyQuil just kind of got him. Oh my gosh. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But it it also is like, it feels a little weird because that that almost, in, in my mind, feels like the Lord is raising his hand against the Lord's anointed. You know, he still well, he's has, allowed to. Well, of course he's allowed to. I'm not like arguing <laughs> the rules. That's David's whole thing. The Lord's going to kill him. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's, it's there to show that David is not really the one. He's not the aggressor. Well, right? well I is, think, yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think this goes again, this goes against the idea that they're, that they're two, that they are one in account is that Abishai almost learns from the first account mm-hmm. where David's like, I'm not going to strike him. I'm not going to raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. It's where Abishai thing, yeah. is, is David's um, nephew. Uh, that's later in uh, Chronicles. I, was, oh, I didn't know that. I left, I left my commentary at home. Otherwise I'd mm-hmm. give you the verse. So I feel very bad. I'm sorry. So it's I'm his, sorry, audience. It's his nephew through his sister. You said previously. I believe so I believe yeah. so. Cause yeah, we, we talked about this. Yeah. Um, and it almost as though Abishai is like, I'll take, I'll take the blood guilds. Yeah. Don't worry. I yeah. got this. Yeah. You can be, you can be king. But he goes further and says, no, mm-hmm. no one mm-hmm. must go against him. The Lord has his final day set. Exactly. And so yeah. I, I think that's, it almost as though as Abishai, what is previously established in chapter, chapter 24, Abishai is like, ah, here's a way around it. Yeah, I can't remember in chapter 24, because David feels super guilty for cutting the hem of the robe. And he's mm-hmm. like, man, I shouldn't have even done that. I struck a knife out towards and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, does he say, I shall not or no one shall, lest they be cursed? I can't remember. I, either way, there is something. He says, do not destroy him for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and mm. be guiltless. That's 26. Right? And then, oh, previously. 24? 24. 24. Yeah, because here, yeah, he's very clear towards Ab- Abishai. But I do like that. Uh, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack yeah. Saul. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, so it's similar. Yeah. But it, it does seem to be more specific, at least with Abishai, at least. It is like very... Yeah, I yeah. do find it funny that Abishai and him can have this whole discussion just while everyone's asleep. Well, and I, yeah. well they're okay. super sleepy. Yeah. So there is, there, there's probably a deeper theological point here that I didn't get to, but like taking his spear and his water pot is such a like, I was here, like mm-hmm. moment. Well, yeah. But like, no, but it's like, it's, it, it doesn't, there's, there's a conveyance of, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Of course. But there's also just a like, guy graffitiing the wall david was here yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> well there, so like, there's there's a slight difference that i find very interesting between both these accounts is that the the first one in 24 he's uh he's in the cave peeing yeah saul is and david comes and quickly snatches his cloak whereas this one he's fully asleep he is fully vulnerable it yeah. isn't simply that um he's alone he is also completely unarmed and well it's also like not a threat all of all of his defenses mm. 
are nothing. Like, God renders all of his. They make like, this in, a big deal later in the chapter. Yeah. 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 Like all of his his army, his bodyguards, his main general dude mm-hmm. can't even protect. Oh, I think there's something about what he does take. He takes his means of providing for himself and his means of defending himself. Yep. And realizing, oh, God has taken my protection from me. Mm-hmm. Right. There's this, I don't know, like if I was to preach it, that's kind of where I would, where I would go with that. Mm-hmm. If we we're going to add symbolism to, or, or like try to interpret the symbolism of why the water jug, why the spear, it's not just because it's there. Because he could have just written in the sand, David was here. <laughs> right. Like, um, maybe he could have, maybe he couldn't have, but. I don't know. That's that's how I would kind of parse that out. The the other aspects that these are yeah, they're things that he sustains himself with, but they're also very personal art, artifacts. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. very many people are allowed to touch uh, the water that Saul drank. A poison. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, especially with he was super uh, during this time he was super careful mm-hmm. and uh, what's what's the word paranoid. Um, I would imagine. Whereas the spear is actually it's probably okay. This does like, confirm his paranoia though. It does. I also. Um, <laughs> With the, with the spear, I like to think it's the exact same spear that he keeps throwing at David and missing, um, as well as the other thing, like times he has the spear with him. But, but if he shoves it into the ground while he sleeps, it's not going to be very sharp. Can I, I mean, I'd be paranoid too if everyone was after me. Can I, give a bad, can I give a bad interpretation of why the spear and the water jug? Sure, why not? Uh-oh. <laughs> um, Jesus was stabbed on the side with a spear and water came out. Well, that is a bad interpretation. And who can strike the Lord's anointed? I don't. I don't understand. I, I, have to personally, I actually, I actually kind of like this interpretation, even though I know it's not true. That's not yeah. what's meant. No, but it's just. It's just. I thought about that when you were like, if we were going to attach some symbolism to yeah. like what was happening, and it was just like that's. I didn't like that connection in my mind, but I just had to voice it. Jesus is the Lord's anointed. Don't you understand? Well, he is. I mean, yeah. a little bit the, different than Saul, and the though. spear in the water symbolizes that he was here. Yeah, well, then you're making an argument for <laughs> you know the Holy Grail. Uh, the spear, young. Yeah. but instead the spear was turned on himself. What? Yeah. Oh man, we're getting in the weeds a little bit. I, yeah. I don't think there's any no, justification there for that. No. no. Okay. That's why I, I said it was a bad interpretation. Of you guys this. keep looking at me like I have something to add to this conversation. <laughs> only, I do no. think that Joel is right. Um, there is, that's good. You heard um, it here, folks. The, the, uh, the symbolism of the water and the spear could simply be that they were the things next to him and they're very private to him. But you can, I think that there might be an argument theologically that they are the things of which he protects himself and the nation of Israel and he provides for the nation of Israel and himself. Mm-hmm. And it's also being taken away from him. I don't know if it goes yeah. as far as the nation of Israel, but certainly for himself. I, I love looking at biblical narrative through widening and narrowing scopes, right? Like first we see uh, his servants kind of leaving and no, we see the, uh, the nation, all the, the, all the girls to yeah. starting to, to worship um, David after. Praise. Pray, praise word, whatever. Praise him. <laughs> no, no, whatever. <laughs> Boy, sorry, I'll, I'll take that one back. Anyways. They're just and then like, yes, Saul killed. Bring this up every episode. But, um, and I think this is like the most personal, right? Taking the, the very spear from his hand that we've seen in every episode <laughs> so far. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. 
Thanks, Josh, Josh. Josh opened up a book. This is for C. He said so. Oh, okay. So actually, so the IVP the, bubble background commentary, which a is a commentary. great resource, yeah. um, mm-hmm. actually brings a significant. It's actually a threat in their mind. So to take someone's weapon and water would be tantamount to threatening his life. I mean, it makes in sense. that region, yeah. because lack of water being in the desert and all no that way stuff. to defend yourself no way to defend yourself it's a saying i like you're surrounded by your army but i've take i've deprived you of the things that you can defend yourself with. and they've already talked about the habaru and stuff yeah. like that uh and the idea then therefore david's david was saying your life is in my hands and it's also probable that the because he's a king he shouldn't have a spear unless it's ceremonial or standing in as a symbol of office so it could be not just like a normal spear, but a ceremonial one, or that replacing like a staff, like like a scepter. Oh, got mm. your spear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's ceremonial, it's also a reference to the kingship. And that by taking it, mm. it feeds Saul's paranoia. I think he just took the water jug because he was thirsty. <laughs> I'm gonna walk, grab a drink. He checks his fridge before he leaves. No, it was Abishai who took it. He just saw. It. He was like, I, "I like this one." David, David grabbed something. David grabbed the spear. Yeah. He was like, oh, "I, I got to grab something too." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's interesting because you're saying it's a symbol of like what he's protecting. Yeah. Like what he's supposed to be as king for Israel, and then it's interesting that they go the other way. It's like, no, it's just threat. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah. That's not an obvious reading to me. Like it's, it seems like David is going out of his way not to threaten Saul's life, but the, I guess or, it's more of a warning to me. But yeah, well, I, I think same with the the hem uh, of his robe. It's supposed to show like, look how close I was to you. I even took your stuff. Yeah. I, I had you were in my hands. Yeah. I had you, but mm-hmm. I didn't kill you. Yeah, you were within my power. Which he, I think, literally says a little bit later in this chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But the other thing I think is interesting is why did God put them to sleep? Did he know that David and, and uh, Abishai wouldn't kill him? Or is this supposed to be a test uh, of David's commitment after he made that uh, declaration that he would not put a hand against the, um, the king because he promised? Well, I think, I mean, he definitely knew. Who did? God. Well, he—it's not like no, he God. doesn't know yeah. anything. Yeah, like, do you think God wanted them to kill him every time? And David's like, "I won't do it." <laughs> He's like, "Who could strike the Lord's anointed?" You. And God's like, "My the anointed, other anointed yeah. guy." It's like God wants to use evil, what? but well, it wants to redeem evil. Man, I, I have a really bad turn of phrase for this episode. <laughs> but is is willing to use the evil committed by an unjust king, but. Yeah. Doesn't have the opportunity because David's just too cool. David's pretty cool. I think here it's it's another showing whether or not it's like it's another showing that God has shifted his purpose of kingship from Saul to David in that he's providing David the way out. Well, also, too, David is the Lord's anointed. It's just another demonstration of Saul is so eager to kill the Lord's anointed. But David's like, ah, for himself. Yeah. David never once says to Saul, hey, stop killing me. You, yep. You're not supposed to kill the Lord. But Lord's it is anointed. super implied by the text. <laughs> yeah, but nobody in all his mm. appeals, he says, what have I done to you? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
I haven't done anything to you. Why would you go yeah, bring after out your me? Evidence, all that. Yeah, all that. He doesn't once say you shouldn't eliminate me because I was also anointed by God. And maybe that's because it would just enrage Saul. Yep. In that, like, well, that's the whole paranoia thing again. Yeah. But, but no, what I mean is like that David's intentional about it in that he's not bringing up that argument because it would just make Saul angry and then try to kill him. Yeah. Um, and so he's avoiding that declaration of hey you know the lord made me king yeah. that you're just a stand-in until also saul's faith in the lord isn't amazing right now yeah yeah it's interesting so anyway we know god put the army to sleep right yes cool anyway let's get to david now just rubbing it in abner's face <laughs> <laughs> he my re- favorite character really in all of samuel Abner. Yeah. I do like Abner. Growing up, reading for six Samuel, for whatever reason, I was like, Abner seems cool though, right? But he's the bad guy. Yeah, but like Abner seems cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Abner, then, the son of Ner. Yeah. Abner, kind of like Saul, just seems like a guy caught up in grander events than he should be caught in. Yeah, he does just stick his neck out way too far. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next section. Then David went over to the other side and stood far off on the top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and to Abner, son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king, your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over your Lord. The Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is in the jar of water that was at his head. Hey, little pansy boy, you're going to, you should die because you can't protect him. You should die, you know, because God forced you to do your job bad. But here's Whoa. the thing. Well, yeah, but it's pretty good. I don't think David knows the Lord put them to sleep. Which is kind of, does he just think he can waltz into Saul's 3,000 strong army without God's protection? I I think he didn't know. I think it's just a point of saying you're bad. I think so too. What would be the indication that he would know? Because Uh, 3,000 men were asleep. Yeah, because he waltz. He snuck into cities before. Yeah, but not into the heart of a camp. To a full city? (laughs) Cities are fine. Yeah, but... Camps are usually everybody's drunk, everybody's crazy. No, especially with Abner being asleep and the entire guard being asleep. It it is a pretty wacky circumstance that that would happen the exact moment that you're you're I think it's more of a dig. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. I think it's a dig, but I don't think he knows that the Lord put the army to sleep. I think he does. I think he does does and he doesn't care. (laughs) Because he's just digging on on Abner. (laughs) I mean, I guess so. So I, I here's my argument, because funny. Well, Ab- Abner keeps following Saul. It's a very so. good hermeneutic you have there. No problem. <laughs> okay, I might be just jumping ahead. I haven't read this part of the of Samuel in a long time. Is Abner the one who kills uh, Saul, his armor bearer? What? Like when Saul dies. Spoilers, Saul dies. Um, what? No. Yeah. Uh, is it Abner who's with him who, who kills him when he falls on his sword? No. no, no, I think no. that's just, I don't even think he's named. I'm shocked okay. Abner somehow makes it out of that army, though, out of that battle. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, but yes. Yeah. So 
David calls him out. You deserve to die. You had one job, man. You're the king's guard. Do it. You're a man, aren't you? Aren't you a Who's man? Who's like you? Apparently everyone. <laughs> It's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> now Saul recognized David's voice and said, is this your voice, my son, David? I love every time Saul jumps into the conversation because this is another one of those similarities between these two stories where like Saul talks and he's like, hey, is that David? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, is that you? I don't think um, he recognizes David as often as he should. <laughs> is that you? Saul recognized David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is in my hands? What evil is on my hands? Now, therefore, let my Lord and king hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has stirred up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, but if it is men, may, that, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, go, serve other gods. Now, therefore, let my, not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. In a pear tree? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is the second time David compares himself to an animal. Here's, here's one of the bitter things that I found mm. in contrasting 24 and 26. Um, 24. 11, it's when David's, it, it's, it's the comparable scene of this. Uh, verse 11, see my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand, mm -hmm. right? And then multiple times, and he says, I think he says, uh, he alludes to, to Saul as his father, because he's father-in-law, mm -hmm. yep. twice, uh, if my memory's right, in, in 24. And then in, in 26, it's Saul who's the one going, my son. And yet David doesn't respond back with the, with the familial mm. vocabulary. Interesting. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so whether or not that's like I never super that. in there, it is weird. Because it, it kind of... It's, it's, it's as if they're burned now. Yeah, it's like a bitter... They yeah. can't connect on the way that they're supposed to as father and son. Sure, by marriage, but father and son, they can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we already know there's a massive disconnect in the relationship at this point because of how the next chapter, especially how the next chapter starts. Yeah. All of this peace talk, all this. And he's like, yeah, I don't believe you, but yeah, yeah. it's weird. I, I think you might be onto something. It's very interesting. And it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. Besides, okay. besides that, um, when he says uh, they, if people have done it, they've driven me today from my share in the Lord's inheritance. Um, what is that because they are trying to drive David away from God or is that because they're trying to kill him? Because the next verse talks about how they're trying to drive him away. But I thought they were talking about whether or not people or God have told them him to be turned over. Well, there is a tie there between the gods, foreign gods and foreign land. Yeah. Because mm. Israel is referred to as the Lord's inheritance. Right. I know he is. Yeah. And so he's basically saying, are you driving me out of the land and worship of God so that my blood doesn't spill on the land of Israel? Yeah. That There's, makes sense. Yeah. Very popular. It makes a lot of times. Yeah. Is that deities are quote unquote 
located over the region. Regional locked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> region, <laughs> regional locked. locked. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Very popular in that time. Yep. Henotheism is the word you said. Yeah. 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 That's what that idea is. Yeah. So and you see certain times in the Old Testament where there's like maybe some buy-in with it, but then there's some strict. It's clearly not endorsed by much of the Old Testament. Like think about it, the entirety of Exodus is just, hey, in your land, no. Yeah. <laughs> it, yes. Like a large part of Genesis. I am judging too. the gods of Egypt. Yeah. In yep. their land. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, takes on raw. So the, the Bible's very not henotheistic, but they do play into the tropes of henotheism quite a well, lot. It seems like people in the Old Testament sometimes. So Michael Heiser talks about this quite a bit, mm-hmm. but his kind of framing of it um, from a Old Testament, ancient Near East um, kind of Israelite mindset the heavenly council, council is yeah. in the divine council, <laughs> heavenly council, whichever one. If you haven't heard of that term, Psalm 80, 82, verse 1. Angels. Super weird that he's in a council of his angels. Anyways, there's this whole idea that um, when we talk about the inheritance of the gods or whatever, that is kind of tangential to henotheism, yeah. to, to this passage um, and terminology like this, that it could be... God has angels that are over different nations. Well, it would be specifically and not angels. Angels rebel is what I was going to say. Well, no, 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 but it's, it's, it's other spirit beings in his articulation. Yeah, that there would be demonic influences. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 but I'm saying that the members of the divine council in his articulation yeah. are not angels, but other spiritual beings. Uh, we use yeah. angels as a catch term often for, yeah. 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 He has some very interesting stuff, and even mm-hmm. he says, yeah, this is pretty wild, but uh, we're going to talk about it anyway. Also, that yeah. might be alluded to in Daniel. Yeah. Uh, well, it's... That's yeah. what I was going to talk it's about. It's also mentioned in, the future, in Deuteronomy, so the, the last chapter in Deuteronomy, in Moses' prayer. Let's, let's just say there's a whole study around maybe... Godly counsel. Godly counsel, Old Testament articulation of deities and their mm-hmm. relationship to stewarding the earth quote-unquote spirits kind yeah. of and how that works with god ruling over the world uh, over the earth in like in from the top of sovereignty mm-hmm. um and how that plays into israel as a nation of god's own mm-hmm. right and uh, the inheritance which is the land of israel would be belong to him because of it yeah and how much of that is because he rules over it explicitly yeah. taught in the old testament or just the Old Testament's under people of the Old Testament's time understanding. Mm-hmm. You could debate about that all the time. Mm-hmm. There's tons of books and stuff on that, but anyway, yeah. But you know, keep in mind the mind of the audience when the book was first written. Anyways, yeah. let's let's. Uh, no, 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 Joel, that was a very hop good. back on. I hope that was thorough enough because sometimes I feel like when I talk about Heiser stuff, it's well, just so oh, shotgunned. It's it's yeah. it's crazy because it upends our entire understanding of the celestial can you remind me who uh heiser is uh unseen realms okay is his yeah. book yeah. yeah he also breaks it down into some smaller ones um mm-hmm. what is it supernatural 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 and angels and demons yeah yeah but not the down dan brown book no. angels is one book demons is another book yeah also <laughs> supernatural not like the 
bingeable Netflix show or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, because the point you were going to make with Michael Heiser's view is that <laughs> in the divine council, God gave the other nations to other beings, the other gods to watch over. And he specifically took Israel and as his inheritance. By other gods, we mean spirits, not God, God. Yes. Well, they call them Elohim. Yeah. Yeah. But in the Old Testament mind, that might be a classification of being, yeah. Yeah. of spiritual and, being, not what we know by like yeah. when, when Aquinas you, understanding of deity. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for, the, for the layman, when, when the Old Testament says a god, it is not the same idea as like a Greek god like Zeus. It is a spiritual entity. Yeah. Things so, like an Arabian jinn in Arab, 1001 Arabian Nights, which I think I'm yes, the only one who's A genie read. under that same... <laughs> I do know what you mean, though. <laughs> ...entity would be called an Elohim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, again, this is not to be read outside of the context of the Old Testament. I, I really think it's very difficult to mm-hmm. continue that into a New Testament reading. Um, yeah. Because, if anything, the Give conquest of Canaan um, and the kind of taking out... Anyways, it's a whole thing. We're not yeah. going to get into that for this episode. And it's so. pretty crazy. We, we have kind of loaded all of this onto this one verse um, to talk about the divine council, but we could do an episode on it. Yeah, but it does kind of imply yeah. with the whole like, oh, you're going to kick me out so I have to die outside of Israel away yeah. from God's presence. Mm. Yeah. All, yeah. All Which is that in that statement is yeah. kind of presupposing yeah. all of this. Yeah. There's an understanding of the spiritual world that they have that is not ours. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. it's not modern biblical either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like. Anyway, before we start arguing about it, carry on, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, good job. Then Saul said, I got a I sticker. Have sinned. <laughs> then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because mm-hmm. my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. And the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord. And may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. And David this whole time's like, mm-hmm. Press X to doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's Thad. <laughs> Stad. 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 <laughs> I almost said sir. I mean, that does seem to be it his does, attitude. Yeah. Actually, he's, he's not calling him dad, dad anymore. Yeah. There's a... Oh. That's... Is this oh, a thought no. in real time? It's a thought in real time. I know that face. Yeah, sorry. There's a... You know, we've, we've talked about like, the idea of David being... Uh, he's taking on like, the weapons and the identity of Goliath in front of Saul. Like We've referenced that many times. Like He yep. has a sword. He's now the one that's empowered, that is opposing. He fights with the Philistines against Saul. That comes in a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then also the idea of like, now that Saul is not obeying the Lord, he's willing to do all the things that he should have done, like devoting a city to destruction and blah, 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 blah. Yep. Right. He's now 
actively seeking out to destroy this individual that has an identity like Goliath, whereas before he was a coward. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know if it's there. No, 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 but it's, it's he does see pattern. He's, he's flopped. He now has conviction to like, I mean, it's an interesting thought. I will admit listening to the other episodes where this was the Mm -hmm. Goliath thing was brought up. There were times where I was like, yes. And times where I was like, absolutely not. But (laughs) Well, here we go. The the biggest pattern with David and Goliath is he's they're the same he, person. He goes to the Philistines <laughs> yeah. as an exile. He becomes a champion and works for the king of Gath, which is crazy. Yes. So this leads us to verse to chapter 27. Mm-hmm. Then David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that. I should escape on the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maoch, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath. He and his men, every man with his household, and David went with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul and David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. He did this before. Mm-hmm. 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 He did this in uh, chapter 21. And didn't play out this way, though. Nope. It's funny that Abigail's still there. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, like she was mentioned before, and it's kind of one of those one-off stories, like Michael's not even mentioned again for quite a while. Yeah, but that's because she's married to someone else. It's super sad when the reunion's sad. Anyway, we'll get yeah. there. Um, I do have something to say. Uh, I don't know how, tr- how interesting it actually is. It'll be interesting to talk about. Um, is there a theological connotation to a king or the leader of a nation or the one specifically the anointed of, of God uh, going to uh, a foreign country to escape? Uh, the political persecution. Um, Everybody does it. Well, that, that's the thing. Is that just a political thing you do? Because obviously the king can't just Moses, march an army into Jesus. Egypt. Well, I was going to say you have so many, like mm-hmm. you have Moses. That's more in Egypt, fleeing out of Egypt. Yep, which is fine. Sure. It's um, the same thing. You have David, you have uh, Jeroboam, you have uh, Jesus, like these real significant anointed figures being, and specifically kings. I, I, I forgot about Moses, but. Um, even Jacob uh, running to mm-hmm. a different country and coming back uh, once the political instability is sort of over. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a consistent theme of exile, like leaving the land and coming back with more. Yep. Um, but it's also like, it's also politically beneficial for Akish to have David. Oh, absolutely. And to prop him up and send him back. Because then, dis- then it dismantles the functioning of israel when he wants to then attack israel kind of or kind of there's a lot of yeah i think it's probably more like that yeah the alliance route or more like the if we help him out maybe it does seem perhaps there's there's many like in geopolitics there's many ways that Mm -hmm. the philistines could have played this out this is one of the ways okay Mm -hmm. yeah but is there something like not just political uh behind him running to another nation? Is there, like you have the, theolo- the theological, like you're saying of exile going out and yeah. God providing anyways. I think that's 
can be applied and make sense and read into because that's how God's nature is. Um, but is there a specific point that the Bible would be trying to make in any of these circumstances that isn't just that's what you do if you're running from political persecution? Don't know. Don't know. Hmm. There might be. Is that true? I can't think of the theological purpose of it. Like other than just mimicking ask, like exile. Right. I, I would the the one I would point to is kind of what, what Josh was saying is that you have to fully depend on the Lord, and then you come back fully dependent on the Lord. Uh, before, it's not that you weren't before necessarily, but in a foreign land, you're. It's similar to the wilderness. You are a an outsider. You are not part of those people. You are. Yeah, it's well, only that's, God's that's just hand a, over that's you. That's just a more developed idea of the of the yeah. exile. Yeah. Um, I want to say something like there's a tie-in with Gentiles, but I don't think there actually is. Mm. Like, like no, I think it has more. Too? I think yeah. it has more to do with like the Ezekiel idea of like I'll call my people back home. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, they're scattered, but I will call them back home. And the reason they're scattered is because of that, like the 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 turmoil or the, the judgment the, on. But the difference is, is that's judgment brought upon them. Yep, and so bringing them back together is is presented as a as a as a quote unquote blessing, whereas articulated in both Jesus and Moses and this mm-hmm. yeah. escape is articulated as a blessing. Yes, so I I don't know if it's to, it's if it's a one to one to 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 draw things in like the Ezekiel like the mm-hmm. those those regathering passages. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's a there's a pattern there that does play. They might be parallel, but I don't know if you can read over to one another. You yeah, know what I mean? Just think about yes. it. Throughout the Bible, there's a lot of leaving and coming back. Like yeah. Genesis, I, everybody in Genesis does that pretty much. But I, I also the don't... The, the, point I would, the only point I would disagree is that I don't think the leaving is blessing because he doesn't want to leave. Sure, but he escapes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like it is God providing a way out. It's not desirable. Yeah. It's not, it's not presented as like a, this is a consequence of judgment. Yeah, it's also... However, unless you want to articulate yeah, that I the actual that. exile into Babylon was because those were the ones who do come back, those are the ones yep. who, the remnant that God is keeping, the ones who They're stayed were the ones the who... sinful state. You could present that the Babylonian exile is blessing, and mm. you could make that argument. Well, it's I a mean, form he, of cleansing for sure of Israel, but that's less for the people <laughs> who are being exiled. Well, well, I know, but the way you would go is you would go with the Jeremiah passages of my plans are to benefit, like, bless you. Yeah. Of the, like, yeah. in going into captivity, this is good. Yeah. So, never I just came around to Josh yeah. and I might agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Sorry. That, that it's, it's, it sucks. You don't want to leave, but it is a, it is a because necessary the, good because when you come back, it'll be better. Yeah. Also, the ones who remain in the Babylonian exile are yeah. the ones who are punished. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but um, with David here, um, is the is part of the I don't want to say the theme because I think I say that a lot, but um, is that he is leaving to the Philistine lands to be in the protection of God? Um, is that like I think he's just fleeing Saul? Okay, yeah, because I think that that's that's kind of like what are you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on comparing this passage to that? What what happened in chapter twenty one? Because he. Same king, same yeah. thing, and yet very different outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, it is makes it, 
sense that he would go back to somebody he knows. Mm-hmm. Rather than just another guy. Sure. Also, the Philistines being an enemy of Saul's in which he is terrified of. Um, but but previously, that's a safe place. previously, um, the, uh, but the men, the, oh, the men like Akash's men were like, hey, this is David. This is the yeah. big hero in mm-hmm. uh, the Israelites, big hero. And then David's like, oh, no, they, they know that I'm here. Like, what do I? And then he just acts crazy. And Akash is like, what do you, what do you want me to do with this crazy dude? Get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This is a different situation. Why is David not afraid of Akish knowing who he really is? Why are, da- why are Akish's men not out to, to get him to kill David? Even though that might be a kind of implied that they don't trust him in, later on in this passage, later on in, in, in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the same story as what was presented in 21, which is, hey, this guy's a real threat. Like, like there's a difference between he's a liability and a threat. He's yeah. a threat in 21. He's a liability later on. Well, considering, you know what, what, I mean? considering what David did to the Philistines in the past. Oh, uh, yeah. Before chapter 21. Dude, he killed 200 of them just to get married. I know, it's great. 100 more than he needed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, mutilated their corpse. Yep. Doesn't say he killed them. It will... It, <laughs> <laughs> It's you're right, which okay. is more Surprise horrifying. Circumcision. It it also could be that the part fact of the covenant that he, now. The fact that like if it is that he comes back, right, and it's not just the same thing through re-editing stuff like that. Um, right. It could be that they're like, if the guy has the the balls to come back, <laughs> like. Well, He's obviously not terrified of us. Unless he is presenting himself as the new Goliath. Well, here's no, the thing. No, that, no, if I he, think that that's more of just like a... If he yeah. comes in to serve as a champion... Yes. Which he would have, like... Status. A legend behind him, essentially. Oh, um, and if, if Goliath did occupy that, that space of legend, because Goliath meaning yeah. XL means he may have actually just been in a very similar position to David. Yeah. Um... Especially if, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm not going to get into the depth of that, but uh, why would they be angry at him? He, he rightfully defeated their champion in battle. Mm-hmm. He did his job, right? So it's one of those things that's like, yeah, you, you want the best guy working for you, yeah. right? I don't know. It seems like there wouldn't be animosity between them, um, so even though I think politically a, they would be enemies. I think there's a change something going on in, yep. in the political response to David mm-hmm. by the Philistines. I, yeah, we're not agree. privy to it. Um, I, I might be jumping ahead to the next verse that we might read. It, it will help. Uh, Josh, do you want to read the next verse? Yeah, or the next section of verses? Yeah, I think I can That's read just that. The next verse. I, can do the, I can do the best I can do. I'll just read the rest of the chapter. Where are we? It's the first five. Yeah, that's where we are. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day, Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the king of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that the Lord lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Hmm. The kings of Judah. Wait a second. That was the United Territory. <laughs> Um, the kings of Judah? What does it say there? Yeah. Yeah. 
It says hmm. it has belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. So, at least in terms of authorship, it's implying that. I think so. Like most no. historical no. documents, it was written after it happened. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Can I? Can I? You're probably right. You're probably right. Can I just propose an alternate idea? Yeah. That there's person that the king of Judah personally mm. owns that city. Right. Personal ownership. Not he is the king of those things. Oh. But it is personally his city. Right. But it does Much say like kings are all of Judah. Yeah. Because that position, that family, that dynasty. Mm. Well, that's cool. Have personal reign over that. Has personal ownership over that city. So you mean like of the tribe of Judah, there is their city. Hmm. You know so what I mean? During this time, they would have had a king, but over that specific well, city. Because, like, like you'll see, in, you'll see in other systems. Like, here's an easy, here's an easy one because we kind of know this one. Like in Germany, you'd have a baron, right? Yeah, It'd be like, yeah, you'd have. You're right there. Yeah, my bike fell out. Anyways, continue. Ah, uh, my ears. Yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, so in Germany, like you have, um, like a baron that would be like, this is his town, right? This is mm-hmm. what he's responsible for. Mm-hmm. This is his thing. And, but the king would be over the entire land. Right. But that baron, that is specifically his. But sometimes kings would actually yep. have their own. Crown lands. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, they would have yep. ownership over that village like the baron. That doesn't mean that he's any less the king over the entire land. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Although I do agree that this is written during the divided, the divided kingdom. That could be an alternate reading of that. Well, that's the term right. I'm confused with. The king of Judah, Israel and Judah are not split yet. No, not here. It's, that's, well, I think that's the point that Colton was making. Yeah. Is that yeah. it would have said kings of Israel. It says it was belongs beforehand. past tense to the kings of Israel. I, I suppose. I, I guess I'm arguing. But that you, it's, you're uh, right. It could be crowned like a king. Yeah. Of I guess I'm arguing for, specific, a, for a different point yeah. in that sentence. Even though yeah. you don't fully disagree. With yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just, no, I apparently I just wanted to go yeah. on a rant. No, which, which would put Fair the, enough. you're saying it would put the authorship of at least this story mm-hmm. after Solomon. Yes. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I after also, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because if it's saying it's belonged to them ever since, I, is there a way of taking that verse, reading back to the previous one, that the, is this uh, David gain it because that's a cultural tradition, if you're like a foreign exile or whatever, that the king would give you land? Mm. Or is it basically a threat that he's bringing all these men and he's like, I'm going to be friendly with you, just give me a place to live? That could um, be. Because for me, it reads as a threat, which is why it belongs to him ever since. He basically occupies it as its ruler. Although he f- swears fealty to the king, he basically demands to become a ba- like you're saying, a, a baron or a local lord of this small town, mm. low level royalty. Yeah, which then gets inherited into Israel when he becomes king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, Egyptians would have done that. They paid so many people on land. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the thing that happens with Abraham. He starts giving him land because it's like, oh, this guy is amassing so much wealth. That I should probably give him a place before he starts encroaching on my own territory. Right. Starts demanding. And so, is is that kind of what you're proposing there? Is that you know? He either gives it to him uh, because this is a cultural tradition at the time, a political mm-hmm. one, or David basically comes down and demands land, and the king can't do anything. About There's it. also <clears throat> is there? It's, it's also maybe reasonable. I'd have to. I have to research this. This is this is a new idea for me as well. Um, I wonder, was that one of the towns that is along the border that likely would have changed hands and may have a Jewish population in it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because they did change Because it is in the countryside. They right? did, yeah. 
And so I wonder if it's, you know, yeah, yeah. deal with your own possible. people. Yeah, <laughs> and then you also possible. have a similar thing with uh, when Abraham, who goes in with a lot of people into Egypt, and they give him that city of Goshen for his descendants. Yeah, sorry, not the, Abraham, uh, Jacob and his family. Yeah, they go in with a lot of servants and a lot of men that they inherited from Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Pharaoh gives them that special well, land. If it, if it is like that, that's, that's mm-hmm. the thing is that we were talking before about the, why does David come? Why is it different this time? It could be the difference between like, if he was acting crazy before. And so he's pitied by the King. Uh, whereas now he comes as a threat, uh, but one that's actually taken seriously. And so he deals with it by giving him land or it's the crazy before. And now he's friendly with him. I, I do think and that later on more disconnected to me. Akish later on. Akish does seem to trust David. Right. It's his, his other generals do not. His other leaders don't. Which they shouldn't. Yeah. Which uh, justified. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's best to frame it as a threat. It could be a threat. Okay. And then Akish kind of comes around and they develop a quote unquote, albeit lying rela- uh, relationship built on a yeah, lie, but great. a decent relationship. Or it might not, or it might be legitimately David's like, hey, um, you know that I'm a threat to Saul. You know I'm on the run. I have this band of dudes. Just give me a small place to live. Yeah. Like, hmm. you, had a, you had a champion warrior before. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? Oh, um, so the position of it places it, like, Ziklag is not exactly known, but the both places that people think it could be, because um, of the name no longer, Sinai Peninsula in the Negev yep. desert. Oh. And it places him in between Fel- Philistia and Edom and Midian. Yep. And so basically so out of the way. It's out of the way. And basically they're using him as a military deterrent. Which the later verse Edom and Midian. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. That okay. makes sense. And so basically it's like, yeah, you go over there. I don't have to watch you because you're constantly going to be being assailed by Edom and Midian. Yeah, you're going to have bigger problems. You have bigger problems. And you're protecting me from my south side. Yeah. Because you're a an amazing warrior buffer zone. Yeah. So it benefits him. Yeah, but okay. that's, that's just, that's, that's again, same mostly commentary. tentative Yeah, because yeah, we don't know the for location. Sure. Yeah. Cool. It's probably near the Negev though, because all of the things he fights are on the Negev. That makes sense. Yeah. That leads us to the end of chapter 27. Now, David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites. For these were the inhabitants of the land from old, of old, as far as sure to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man or woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, and the donkeys, and the camels, and the garments, that ca- and came back to Achish. When Achish asked, where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the Negeb of Judah, or against the Negeb of the Jeremielites, or against the Negeb of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Such was his custom all the days he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking, he has made himself as utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. Question. So he kills a bunch of Israelites, right? Is that your question? No. Oh. Question. Uh, he fights the Amalekites. Mm-hmm. Aren't the all, Amal- the, all the Amalekites wiped out by Saul in chapter 15? It says so. It says all. Mm-hmm. 
Well, all except for this one guy. All except for the king, which Samuel summarily butchers. Yeah, he does. Which That's means, terrifying. Or does it just mean that, you know, most things, like, sometimes when it says all, it's hyperbole. Yeah. 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 All the lights like, in that area. Or, or there's, a, there's an interesting defense that I've heard from is that when it said they destroyed all the people in the city, right? That doesn't mean all the ones that escaped when they knew the battle was coming. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's like the, the women and children would leave that knew the battle was coming. If they were, if they was, a, if the city was good, there would be the, the people that escaped and the people that remained because they did not want to leave the city, either because of cowardice or because it was a religiously significant place or because of. It's yeah, that, that doesn't and stuff happen. like that. Oftentimes people yeah. will just remain in the city because it is your mm-hmm. best shot at survival. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to. It's high cost. It's best shot of survival and the best way to get some Unless early Unless in the Canaanite invasion with Joshua, you're specifically known for having the ability to make walls useless. Yeah. yeah. So you meet in the field anyway. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Either way, just wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah. But Saul's um, not good at his job. When, uh, no, he's not. Uh, when David raids the cities and kills all the men and women, now it's, it kind of is similar to how the kings are meant to destroy everything, except this isn't for religious reasons. And the next two verses mm-hmm. say why he's killing the men and women so that no one can talk about it. Yeah. Um, but he is raiding Israel. He's raiding Judah. He's raiding uh, whatever that guy's name is. And the Kenites. Well, he's, which saying, are in he's saying that he is. That's what he tells them. Right. Because he's not actually doing that. I misread that That's twice. Okay. Here's the thing. Some people, I'm not in this group of people, mm-hmm. but some people would go, this is propaganda. And David was actually just raiding <laughs> the, uh, the Israelites. Now, that does kind of go directly against what that text is specifically saying. Yep. But some in the more liberal theology category would say that. Because it would be very common for a lot of historical sources outside of the Bible to use propaganda this way. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, this reads exactly like, you know, a story that's supposed to venerate this person. But in actuality, it's like, no, they were they were, they were just the on power. their own stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Kind of yeah. like how, oh, what's his name? Why can't I think of the, the Persian king that rises? Cyrus. Cyrus. Uh, Xerxes. No. Xerxes. Darius. Darius, yeah. Darius, Darius is right. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. The other guy was an imposter. For sure, for sure. <laughs> anyway, I... Oh, I, that's I, a different Darius. I love Darius the Mede. Mm-hmm. That was... That's Darius the Colton son of Cambyses. Thank you. Not yes. Darius from Daniel. Yes, but the, okay, the, the, Darius, the Darius that was com- campaigning in Egypt... Yeah. Along with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the king at that point. Anyways, mm-hmm. not to get all caught up in yeah. history of that. Either way, he ascends the throne, kills probably the legitimate kings, <laughs> yeah. and then goes, ah, they were all imposters. <laughs> I'm the real king. Here's a book that says why. Yeah. Propaganda. Yeah. It does kind of <laughs> seem that. Like, yeah. But that happens all the time. And this reads similar to that, <laughs> although it's, at least from what I can read, this seems fairly reasonable what he does. It doesn't have to be propaganda. It's not like, oh, this is an un, like the, some miracle happened. This is unreasonable. It's like, no, nah, he, he lived in a foreign land and said he was killing his own people, but actually he was killing all their people. Not their well, people. Well, it wouldn't be the, the, uh, their people. It would be the Edomites and the yeah, the Amalekites, yeah. which yeah. are around him. It's his yeah. border. He's out of the way. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and the Edomites are cousins. Yeah, he is yeah. kind of killing his cousins. But I mean, they betray 
Israel later on. Yeah. Maybe because of this. Is he, is he killing the... <laughs> is he killing the... No, that would just be the location Moabites? where he's bordering on the Negev. Right. I so, thought that was the Edomites. The Edomites and the Moabites. Oh, and the Moabites. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're neighbors. I need a map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that... I mean, the historical doubt comes from too good to be true. He, yeah. He, it's also... He is summarily... Just for his own political... Covering like covering his steps, he is summarily executing just yeah massive amounts of people, and it, all men and all women. So who's going to say anything against him? Yeah, who's going to come to the king of Gath and be this like, is, "Nah, he killed our city." Well, and and yeah. here's the, I think we've made we've made this point before. At least I have. David is not a good guy. He's just he's chosen by God and constantly is trying well, to. He's when you he's, say he's not a good guy, that makes it sound like he's a bad guy. He is. I don't know if I go that far. He's a warlord. No, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. None of, none of us, if we, like, if David was alive today, we would all, other than his faith to God and his constant repentance of his evil actions, we would not say he's good. Well, that usually comes with us being Christians and not. Like, if, if Jesus never came and the, uh, the same thing that happened today, like, Okay, never mind. Morals would be completely different. Um, they would be. I'm just saying that we would. I evidence the only the only Samuel. thing I contribute to my salvation is my sin. So, yes. <laughs> well, the, the things that yeah. all the all the people he kills are those who are already devoted to destruction. Are they? As far as I'm are, aware, even the Edomites, I think. Hmm. I don't think so. I know the Moabites are, but oh, the Edomites would absolutely be devoted to destruction. Yeah, because they I were think in the, the thing in Canaan before. Uh, they were called out of um, Egypt. I don't know about Because if I remember, um, in the law, the, the Edomites are excluded because they are the uh, sons of Esau. Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. shoot. Okay. But, yeah. but as f- I can't remember if it's at this point in Judges or Joshua or, or one of those places, but I thought they were already said to lumped in with the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. Too much time has passed and too much whatever. Anyway. Re- Regardless, all, all I'm saying is that the comparison between David and Saul being presented in the text is what their relationship is with God. Yes. And what God's relationship is with them. And so what? The, the difference between David and Saul is their relationship with God, not the actions they commit. Yeah, but the relationship with God manif- like yes. often manifests in the, the actions that they do or do not commit. Yeah, it does. But we've even seen David's with the relationship with Abigail, with the relationship previously. David God stops this, him from sinning. Yeah. Well, no, but that's what I mean is that he has the same murderous intent. But when God steps in the way, he repents mm-hmm. where he has contrition, whereas Saul has attrition. Yes. He yeah. just doesn't want to feel the bad guilt anymore. It's actually a perfect way of, it's a perfect uh, example. We should have <laughs> used that in our uh, confession episode. I did. We did. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Just um, and so that's what I mean is that David and Saul do do the same things. Um, yes, mm. but I am, I don't know. I, I don't agree that they're very similar. I don't, I don't know if I'd say they're similar or that they do the exact same things, but I also don't know if I'd go as far as saying that, they're, that David's just a good man. Yeah. And the comment section is going to say, hey, what about David being a man after God's own heart? We'll talk about it. Huh? <laughs> 
but uh, I feel like that is disproven over and over. That he was a man after God's own heart? No, that he, that just because you're a man after God's own heart doesn't mean that you are of moral purity. Yeah. It's, no, it's that you are. Yeah. You're the man following what God tells you to do. Doesn't mean. More about posture. Yeah. Anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. This has been a this has been an interesting episode. We got a couple more verses. Yes, the last two. Oh, do we? Read them. oh yeah, we do too. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, "Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army." David said to Achish, "Very well, you shall know what your servant can do." And Achish said to David, "Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life." Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. That is awesome. <laughs> Hmm. Point me in the right direction, boss. I'll kill anything for you. Except for the Lord's anointed, but he doesn't tell him that. Yeah. Yeah, I won't kill the king, which is a weird thing to say. It's also interesting. He put makes him his bodyguard, which means he actually wouldn't be in the front lines. Mm-hmm. No. Thus limiting the likelihood that he would actually come against Israelites. Unless the bodyguard thing is after the Fair. battle. Yeah. But you know what, you know what I mean? That's... Mm-hmm. I might be reading into it there, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Unless Akish has the intent to go into the front. <laughs> Which isn't the most uncommon. It yep. becomes more common like a thousand years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with the bodyguard thing, it's similar to the practice of the time. Uh, that even David with his mighty men, you take a man yep. from a foreign nation, make him your bodyguard because yeah. he doesn't have political leanings uh, for or against factions in your own country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, However, here he has big reasons uh, to not like the king because he's a Philistine. But yeah, that's not gotten into here. No, it's very interesting. It's kind of surprising how much he just kind of like gives in, right? Not really giving in, but like yeah, he just. I mean, uh, Akin seems like a. Here's the thing: he's a he's a chill dude. Seems like a pretty chill dude. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, "This is crazy, man." I have enough crazy people. Get them out of here. <laughs> he shows up later. Hey, you want to be get, my bodyguard? You, he's like, hey, uh, can you, I got like me, 600 pals. I'm champion of Israel. The king's trying to kill me. Yeah. What you got for me? Here's the city. Guard my south and just, you know, do, help us out. Cool, 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 cool. Hey, you're really successful at that. Um, you want to like help us out on the battlefield? battlefield? Absolutely. I'm going to. I'll show you. I can be the best. That's awesome. Make you my bodyguard for life. Go get yeah. an attitude. Can, yeah. But. Well, here's the other thing. second time. The second time he's happily duped. There's a similar pattern. Israel goes out to war. David goes out to war for Saul. And then Saul makes him a member of his inner court. Mm-hmm. And so like, like in the proving of his military prowess, he's brought close to the king. Well, it, it in shows, both cases. yeah, it also shows his uh, ability for leadership. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. And well, specifically combat. Yeah. No, but I just think that's a very interesting parallel because like he went from defeating a Philistine to becoming uh, a member of the Israel's high court. And then in the story, if David is telling the Philistines that he's killing Israelites and then becomes a member of the high court of the Philistines. He's killing Israelites. He's now becoming the member of the, so it's like, he's now it's killing the opposite group right. and becomes the king, second to the king on the other side. Man. So good. He'll rise to the top in any system. Yeah. Much like most of the, uh, the Lord's anointed or those he's chosen. Uh, yeah. 
So then hmm. that leads us to a little arc where David is working with the Philistines. Are we well? First, are we covering first? It? You get the whole uh, voodoo stuff, but we're not going to talk about yeah. that today. Saul the medium I am of Endor. So my excited favorite. about that. That's going to so be good. fun. Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Before the, before we're the next episode, we're almost on the book. Where's where's your where's your position on it? Was that actually Saul? Hot, like what rapid fire Hot take? Not Samuel. Sorry. Was it actually Samuel? With Endor? Yeah, it's too pointed for him to not have that kind of relationship with Saul. We'll already. see if after well, studying, if we have the same opinion. Well, yeah. here, here's the important question: How did Saul get the Ewoks? True. Fair Josh enough. is yes. Joel, <laughs> sorry. what are you? Um, is that actually Samuel? I think this is the first occurrence of Solomon's ring. Anyways, no, we're not bringing up that <laughs> Solomon's seal. Try to play a game. Solomon seal. It's a, an aquatic animal that means with the dead. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, yes, I think it was uh, Samuel. Cool. Uh, Colton. I, I also think it was Samuel. Okay, we're all in agreement. I actually think it was Samuel. We'll, Wait, you uh, think it was Samuel? I thought yeah. you didn't. Why not? Well, you, okay, you never mind. asked the question as if it was going to be a hotly debated it topic. It is a hotly yeah. debated topic. We're just all, It is you a know, hot topic, yeah. People I think most like, readers reading it would go, that's Samuel. Yeah. It's too cool not to believe. Well, the, the way he responds, he's just got, <laughs> he just slaps he's got too much on. beef with Saul not to respond like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll a, get that's a man it. who's being tortured into the grave because of Saul's actions. And he, tor- he brought up another man out of the grave to torture him more, more into the grave. Yeah. Like, like this, is the, this is a real version of the like, John will turn in his grave if I say this. Anyway, yeah, we will save all of this banter for the next next week. Starting right now, um, when we talk about Endor. But this has been uh, chapters twenty six to twenty eight, verse two, um, of Samuel. Joel, can you please end the podcast? I was, I was actually waiting to see if Colton would do the media yeah, shout outs. Because if he was, I was going to cut him off. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can reach out to us at secondratesaints at gmail.com if you have any long form questions. Um, if you'd like to check out what we're doing, you can check out secondratesaints.com where we have links to uh, everything we've been doing, including our um, means of fundraising. Is that the right way to say it? Uh, buymeacoffee.com uh, slash secondratesaints for a one time donation. Um, towards whatever we got going on here. If you've enjoyed our content, if you've listened for any amount of time, we would really appreciate your support. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back again with the medium of Endor. Imagine imagine what the large of Endor could do. (laughs) (laughs) 